Psalms chapter 12. Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us, who is master over us? Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side the wicked prowl, as vileness and exalted as vileness is exalted among the children of man. I'm going to pray as John C. comes up here to give the word. Lord, we adore you. Lord, we thank you that we can meet freely. Lord, we thank you that we get to open your word. We thank you that each of us can own a copy of your word. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through John C. Lord, I pray that you would communicate through him what you have for us tonight. And Lord, I pray that your word would be... Uh, your son would be lifted up and that we would all come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. I may not need this, so we'll set this to the side. And where's my water? Set that here. My name's John C. I serve here on the pastoral staff of uh, Door of Hope. And I'm here for uh, Fellowship of the Burning Heart. We've been making our way through Genesis. So uh, we've had... I believe we've had Pip, Josh, and Ian, and they've all done an excellent job. But here's a little icebreaker. Ian, Ian and I have a matching tattoo. We, it's true. We have a bow and arrow. He has it on his hand. It looks very cool. I have mine on my forearm, which is covered. You know, got to be Baptist, right? So uh, why I bring this up is sometimes when we start reading a passage, we want to go right into the chapter, but we don't read the preceding verses before. And as we are tackling Genesis 42 through 44, it's so important that we read Genesis 41, 56 through 57 first. Here we go. So when the famine had spread all, all over the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was, so was severe over all the earth. Genesis 42, 1 through 2. When Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you look at one another? And he said, behold, I heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. So we see that, remember when Joseph is having these dreams, it's got kind of wild, and then his brothers don't like him, then he ends up being sold into slavery, and that's a bummer, but then he kind of goes to this guy's house, and he's like the chief servant slash, slash slave, and he, he's kind of moving up the ladder there, but then uh, Potiphar's wife throws herself at him, and he says, no way, Jose, and he runs away, but then she accuses him, and then he's thrown into the jail. And then it's wild, because while he's in the jail, he has more visions about some of his cellmates, and it's kind of confusing, kind of wild, but he tells some of them, do not forget me, like, remember me. And then the Pharaoh sees this vision, 
and it's kind of wild, and Joseph is the one who can interpret the dream. And there's going to be seven good years and seven bad years. And uh, Pharaoh is so impressed that he names Joseph second in command. And on top of that, he's going to be in charge of all the grain houses. So this famine happened. So they had the seven years that was just awesome. Now it was seven years of bad, bad times. So then we have verse 3 through 5. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus the sons of Israel, Israel mean God prevails or God perseveres, came to buy among the others who came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. So we went back to chapter 41 and talked about how this famine was worldwide. Canaan's part of the world, so they're coming to buy grain. The sons are sent out. Benjamin, who's the son of Rachel, uh, Ian, I think, covered this one, where Benjamin is born of Rachel, and she dies during childbirth, and she names him Benoni, son of my pain, and Jacob changes it to, or Jacob or Israel changes it to Benjamin, son of my right hand. And we had the uncomfortable conversation and how Jacob had favorites, so he had like the 12 sons, and two of them were like, that's, these are the sons of my favorite wife, which you should not have more than one wife, let alone have favorites, but that's neither here or there. So he has two wives, and then he has these two sons from this wife, Rachel, that's like his favorite, and they give Joseph the coat of many colors. But then you have the ten sons of Leah. So the sons are sent. Benjamin's held back because this is the final son of Rachel. He lost the other one, remember, because the brothers told him that a wild animal killed Joseph. Verse 6. Now Joseph was a governor over the land, a ruler. He was, one, he was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from? He said, and they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he dreamed of them. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. So we see that Joseph is in charge of the grain. He's a governor. He's in a position of high power. And you know what the cat brought in? It was the 10 guys who sold him into slavery. And now, I'm not sure how many of you know a lot of my story, but I went from age 9 to age 20 without seeing my blood siblings. So when they last saw me, I was like this scrawny, uh, skinny black kid on this farm that they'd see during foster care visits. But when they saw me, it was about 11 years later, I was fully grown up. So as we go through this passage, I implore that we read it with grace. We, We read it in a way that we understand that very few people have gone through this situation. Joseph doesn't know what's been happening in the last 20 years, right? He's sold into slavery at age 17, and they will see him at age 37. And the brothers did sell him into slavery, but for all they know, 
He's dead. Uh, I want to point out that in Genesis 41-44, Pharaoh sets Joseph in charge, so he gets his new title. Let's see if we can say it. Zephnath Penea, the man who knows, is one of the translations. He's been there for 20 years, age 17, now he's 37. He remembers the dreams, and one of the dreams that we see in Genesis 37, one of them is the, like, think of a farm, and you have, like, the wheat, and some of the wheats are, like, bound together, and so each uh, bound or bind of wheat symbolizes one of the brothers, and there's this is wild, because remember, there, there's favorites being played. Joseph is the golden boy. So the other brother's uh, wheat is bound, and it all bows to Joseph's. And they were not too thrilled. And then there's this second dream that Joseph is remembering. It's when the sun and the moon and the 11 stars <laughs> bow to Joseph. And even when, uh, in chapter 37, Joseph tells this dream— Jacob, Israel, says, who do you think you are? So Joseph gets this dream, he says it, and even his own dad is like, okay, let's settle down. Like, you're my favorite, but this, let's, let's settle down. So Joseph remembers these dreams, but then he treats his brothers harshly. So I had to stop and think, why? Because I remember when I saw Jonte and Jontel again, I remember checking my phone and waiting, because they said that they'd be there at 6. And if you know, like, black people, we tend to be late. So it was like 6, and I was raised by white people, so 6 means 6 on the dot. We're going to be there. I haven't seen you in 11 years. And it was like 6.05, I got a text message. And then 6.10, I got another text message. I go, we're on our way. We're almost there. It was 6.40 when I got to see my big brothers. So... Verse 10 through 13. They said to him, No, my lord, we're, we're not spies. We're responding. Your servants have come to buy food, and we are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies. Joseph, verse 12, says, No, it is the nakedness of the land that you've come to see. And they said, We are your servants, twelve brothers and the son of one man in Canaan, the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest this day is with our father and and one is no more. So Joseph is accusing them of being spies, and if you park the car for one moment, you think of his role of being second in command in the entire empire, and they were the one place that had food. We have to think that there could be spies. Remember the 10 men went to spy on Canaan? 12 men went to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad and two were good. What do you think they saw on Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants big and strong. Some saw grapes with clusters long. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. So we have a precedent where spies are sent out. And, and then they, they see something. So Joseph is trying to watch out for his, his country. So he's probably already on edge. But then he sees his brothers who sold him into slavery that he has not seen in 20 years. The brothers are defending themselves. We're like— we're honest men. We have this dad back in the land of Canaan. There's actually 12 of us. The youngest is with dad, and the other one's dead. He is no more. Verse 14. But Joseph said to them, it is as I said to you, you are spies. 
By this you shall be tested by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go out from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined, that your words may be tested, whether there is truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in custody for, four, for three days, rather. So Joseph is putting out this test. If it's true that you are who you say you are, you're this honest man, bring this youngest son. But I want to beat the dead horse, to use the turn of phrase, the fact of he does not know if Benjamin is alive. He knows that these ten brothers sold him into slavery. So forgive him if he's not jumping up and down to hug them. Forgive him if he's not reticent to be like, oh, wait, let's sing Kumbaya, because wait a minute, I spent years in Egyptian prison because of the choices you guys made. Verse 18. So on the third day, great Christian band, if you ever heard of them, Mac Powell's doing the Lord's work. Um, anyways, on the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live, for I fear God. And if you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody. Let the rest go, carry grain for the famine of your households. Bring your, bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. So Joseph lets them get, they get three days to think about it. Three days of brotherly love. Then he brings them back out. Here's the deal. You, it's a life or death situation. And they'd say, hey, we'll, take, we'll choose life. We'll go get that younger brother. Verse 21. Then they said to one another, and this is still in front of Joseph. They haven't quite left. They said to one another, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is the distress has come upon us. Verse 22, and Reuben answered them, did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you did not listen. So now there comes the reckoning for his blood. Nothing is better than when a sibling says, I told you so. Especially when the sibling was complicit with the thing that got us, got us in trouble. So yes, there's an element of Reuben trying to be, well, I'm the big brother, you guys should listen to me. But it wasn't like Reuben had clean hands. Verse 23, they did not know Joseph could understand them, for there was an interpreter between them. So, they're choosing life. They're going to go get the youngest brother, but they're having a little bit of a family chat. Reuben's saying, this is kind of your guy's fault for not listening. They're just like, let's go get the youngest brother. Verse 24. And also want to slow down. They are realizing or recognizing their guilt. They are acknowledging what they did was wrong. And sometimes we read scripture so fast and so smoothly, we don't understand that they took their brother, they threw him into a pit, they were going to kill him, but Reuben said, hey, let's not. His dad's going to be upset. And then instead of killing him, they, they sold their own brother into slavery. That is wild. 
so 20 years, both sides, where maybe Joseph has been thinking, is my family still alive? Hurt by his brother, still trying to navigate everything. It could be that the brothers, this is something that they, do, they choose to consistently not talk about. Because it's kind of like, oh, remember when we, uh, we, why are we talking about this? Verse 24. Joseph, then he turned away from them and wept. And he turned to them and spoke to them. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. So uh, Joseph is a man of his word. So he's going to take one to have as like, make sure you guys come back. But something wild is he turns away and he weeps. This is very emotional. When I saw my brothers again, I didn't have as much baggage of like they did something wrong. It was just foster care system. It'd be like that sometimes. But for Joseph, here's these people that hurt him in such a severe way, but he still loves, and also there's this hope of seeing his father again. This is a powerful moment. Simeon is taken. Who's Simeon? Okay, this is wild. So a couple of weeks ago, Pip handled this passage beautifully. So I think it was Genesis 34. Um, you have Dinah, one of the sisters of the ten brothers, whose mom is Leah, is raped by the prince of the Shechemites. And the brothers, to get revenge, says, hey, you know, because you're going to marry our sister, we're going to become one family. What if you get circumcised? as adults, like your entire village. Ah, it's just common practice. And then the Shechemites are like, well, you know, I guess we'll get uh, part of their riches, so let's do it. And then day three of recovering from circumcision, it's Simeon and Levi. So Levi's a brother, forefather of the Levites. And Simeon go in on day three, and he kills everyone. Like, all, all the men. Simeon is one of the older brothers. So he's the one who's taken for uh, just insurance. Verse 25. Now Joseph gave the order to fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. This was done for them. Verse 26. Then they loaded their donkeys with grain and departed. And as one of them opened his sack— he, one of them, opened his sack to give his donkey fodder food. At the lodging place, he saw his money in the mouth of the sack, and he said to his brothers, my money has been put back. Here it is money, or here it is in the mouth of my sack. At this, their hearts failed, and they turned trembling to one another, saying, what is that God has done to us? They're confused. They're perplexed. Joseph, as we'll find out later, is the one who, as we already heard, but we'll find out a little bit more, he's the one who gave the money back. Verse 29. When they came to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, they told him all that happened to them. The man of the Lord, the, the man, the Lord of the land, spoke roughly to us and took us to be spies of the land. And we said to him, we are honest men. We've never been spies. We are 12 brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, 
and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man, Joseph, the Lord of the land said to us, by this I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me. Take grain for the famine of your households and go your way. Verse 34, bring your youngest brother to me. Then I shall know that you are not spies, but honest men. And I will deliver your brother to you and you shall, re- shall trade in the land. So this has to be a little bit awkward because the 10 guys are coming up and actually wait it's not 10 because it'd be nine so Jacob's like where's one of my sons and they go into like what happened like we went you told us to go because this is the life or death situation to get the grain and then we're accused of being spies and the only way for us to get the food like more food is and rescue Simeon is to take your most precious son which has to be awkward to admit but the son of your favorite wife who died, we need him. Verse 35. And they emptied their sacks. Behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. So before we heard that, there was just one. And when they saw this, they and their father saw their bundles of money, and they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more. And now you would take Benjamin from me. All this has come against me. Jacob is despondent. He is upset. And he's pointing fingers. And I read one of the uh, theologians uh, in the commentaries that Ian was so sweet to let me borrow, that it could be that Jacob did not know what happened to Joseph. So it could be that wild animals did kill his son. But it could also be that there was a lack of trust that Jacob had to the ten sons. Hence, he was not so quick to send Benjamin. Verse 37, Reuben stepping up as always. Then Reuben said to his father, kill my two sons. Pause. If I was his two sons, what did we do? Anyways, get going again. Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back. Put him in my hands, and I will bring him back to you. So kill my two sons if, if I don't bring Benjamin back. Verse 38. But he said, Jacob, my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he's the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you make, you would bring my gray hairs with... Uh, bring down my gray hairs with sorrow down to Sheol. You would bring my gray hairs down to dying. Like, this, this would break Jacob. And that's where the chapter ends. Simeon's still locked up. The famine is still happening. They have enough food for now. And Benjamin is not being volunteered Reuben's sons knows that they've been offered in the fact of if dad doesn't bring back our uncle, we're going to get killed. All one big happy family. Verse, uh, chapter 43. Now the famine was severe. Now the famine was severe in the land. And when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go again and buy, a little, buy us a little food. It's kind of interesting. You know like when you have a... Uh, 
Hmm. A robust conversation with someone and you don't come to a, uh, a agreement and then life goes on and then they have the audacity to bring back up the same thing but still not address the elephant in the room. So Jacob's like, the famine's still happening. We are out of food. Go get us a little bit more. The brothers know what will happen if they go. Verse 3. But Judah said to him, the man, Joseph, solemnly warned us, saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless my brother is with you. Now, this is Judah's turn to respond. Now, what do we know Judah from? Judah's the one that has the sons, and then one of the sons gets married, and then the wife dies—or no, sorry, he dies, and the other brother is supposed to come in and do the husband duties, and then he spills his semen on the ground. It's pretty wild. So that guy's struck down dead. So, yeah, like, kind of uncomfortable. But then what goes on is that the promise is that this daughter-in-law is going to get one of the younger sons of, of Judah, which does not happen, but then Judah ends up sleeping with the daughter-in-law because he thinks she's a prostitute, and it's like this really complicated situation, but it ends up that she acts more honorable than Judah. Judah also presides over their brother being thrown into the pit. The Bible is wild in the fact of it's consistent with broken people making massive mistakes that God still works in spite and chooses to use. Judah is where our Jesus comes from. The daughter-in-law who is cast aside, that's part of the, 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 the messianic line. It, it's, pretty, it's pretty wild. So Judah will be taken center stage. He agrees that there's a dire situation. So verse 6, Israel said, Why do you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you have another brother? Verse 7, they replied, The man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred, saying, Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him was the answer to these questions. Could we in any way know what he would say? Bring your brother down. Verse 8, Judah says to Israel, Israel means God perseveres. Remember, Jacob gets touched on the, the thigh bone. Judah says to Israel, his father, send the boy with me, and we will rise and go, that we may live and not die. Both we and you and our little ones. And I will pledge—I'll be the pledge of his safety. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back and set him before you, let me—let me bear the blame forever. And if we had not delayed, we would now be back—we would now return twice. Verse 10. So Judah steps up and offers himself. If I do not bring— the son, your favorite son, Benjamin, the last of your favorite wife, back, I give myself. 
Reuben's like, I have these two sons I will give. Judah is, I will give myself. Wild. Verse 11. Then their father, Israel, Jacob, said to them, if it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bag, in your bags, and carry, excuse me, and carry a present down to the man, a little balm, a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, nice, and almonds, and take the double, and take double the money with you. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. So Jacob is taking no chances. So I'm going to send Benjamin, who we're sending the money that he gave you back back. We're going to give you these choice uh, pistachio nuts, gum, myrrh, all the fixins, as my grandma would say. And uh, like, go, just go. Verse 13, take your brother and arise, go again to the man. May God Almighty, some translation says El Shaddai, May El Shaddai grant you mercy. May El, Shaddai, may El Shaddai grant you mercy before the man. And may he send back your other brother and Benjamin. And, and as for me, I am bereaved of my children. I am bereaved. So I want to slow down real fast. There's this term, this, there's this use of servants that's really beautiful. So when the, when the sons, the brothers talk to Joseph, we are your servants. They are acknowledging that the governor is in power. But there's something even far beautiful is when these people in the Bible talk about the ancient of days, when they talk about our God, when they talk about our Jesus, El Shaddai, that God Almighty, Jacob understands who's truly in control. Remember the beautiful scene where uh, Jacob goes before Esau and he's like bowing down? It, there's, this, this, there's this humility. It's, it's a, a realization of one's powerlessness. Verse 15. So the men took, took this present and they took double the money with them. And Benjamin, very key. And they rose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready for the men are to dine with me at noon. Verse 17. And the man did as Joseph told him and brought the men to Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house. And they said, it was... It is because of the money which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we were brought in so that he may assault us and fall upon us and make us servants and seize our donkeys. Verse 19, so that they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke with him at the door of the house. So the men go with Benjamin, see uh, Joseph. Joseph, I love the, one of the um, commentaries used the term the major domo of the house. So like the chief servant makes me think of Lion King. Zazu is the major domo. And that probably dates me, but here we are. Great movie. Check it out. So verse 20. And said, O oh my Lord, we come down first time to buy food 
verse 21. And when we came to lodging, to the lodging place, we opened our sacks, and there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack. And our money was in full weight, so we have brought it again with us, and we have brought the other food down, other money down with us to buy food. We do not know who put the money in our sacks. Verse 23, he replied, peace to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put the treasure in your sacks for you. I have received your money. And then he brought Simeon, so the brother who was held as insurance, out to them. Verse 24, and when he brought the man, he had, when, he had, when the man had been brought, rather, and when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water, and they had washed their feet, and when he had given their donkeys fodder or food, verse 25, they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they had heard that they should, be, should eat bread there. So they're talking to the majordomo, who's acting in the stead of Joseph, the second strong, uh, most powerful person in the land, saying that, hey, we didn't know what happened. We found this money at the lodging place, which isn't quite true because they found one brother's, they opened once, but then once they got fully home, they opened up and realized what happened. So the Major Dromo says it was God's will in this. Uh, verse 26, when Joseph came to the house, they brought into the—when uh, Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present that, they'd bowed, uh, that they had with them and bowed to him on the ground. And when he had inquired about their welfare and said, is your father well, the old man that whom you speak of, is he still alive? They said, your servant, our father is well. He's still alive. And they bowed their heads prostrated, like God, completely on the floor. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. So Benjamin's speaking specifically to this to his fully, his full blood brother. So, uh, there's Jonte, Jontel, I'm John Mel. We have a sister named Charmian, and she is gorgeous. We had a sister named Charmita who died at a very early age. So, when I first saw my brothers again, I saw just Jonte and Jontel. And it's really special, because I've been praying for years. But there's this element of when I saw Charmian that hits different. There's this element of a connection of someone that I'm the closest to that's hard to explain. This is where Joseph's at. It's not that he loves his brothers in a, in a way that is, like, wrong. But when you know that you've lost something and you get it again, that's wild. Is this your youngest brother of whom you speak of? God be gracious to you, my son. Verse 30. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he saw a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and wept there. Verse 
verse 31, and he washed his face, and he came out. It's probably like an ugly cry. I'm not sure if anyone's had the pleasure, but a few times in my life where I've had just a really ugly cry. Sometimes it's been for some really sweet moments, like seeing my siblings again, which I cried so hard privately, you know, don't want to show them that, like, I'm emotional, because guys can't be emotional apparently, right? But there's been some moments when my life's been falling apart, and I was at Moody Bible Institute, and I was just informed that I'd be leaving school, I'd be leaving my floor, and I was in the shower. We had this massive bathroom that 30 guys shared, and it's as terrible as you imagine. And I was the RA. My 30 guys I got to preside over, uh, they were actually gone at lunch, right? And I had gotten the shower, and I was playing this uh, pop song, Julia Michaels' song, Issues. Yeah. I start weeping, crying so hard, heaving. Because in this, in this song, I realize, according to the lyrics of the song, which are powerful, which then you listen again, it's like, you mean that song? But here we are. I've got issues. You've got them too. Give them all to me. I'll give mine to you. Bask in the glory of all our problems because we got what it takes to solve them. And in that moment, as I'm weeping in the shower, I realize that Jesus is the one that can handle me. It's this ugly cry that, like, when Tristan Buchanan, that beautiful man, walks in to brush his teeth, he turns on the water, I'm, like, heaving, crying, and I stop. Pause the song. Because you can't if you listen to a pop song with one of your boys. <laughs> but I, I stop the song, and he's like, John C., are you okay? I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. My life's falling apart, and in this moment, I see that Jesus is the only thing that keeps me going. But I'm like, I'm fine. He brushes his teeth, walks out. I hit play so fast. I get, I get the rest out, right? So Joseph is in this super emotional moment. He, he sees his brothers who threw him out into this, into this pit. And he's being reconnected with them. Then he sees his full blood brother again. And then he knows his, his, uh, his dad is still alive. So he washes his face. He controls himself. He says, serve the food. Verse 32. Then they served him by himself, and they by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for this was an abomination of the Egyptians. Uh, one translator said, this was disgusting to the Egyptians. So no love loss for Egypt towards the uh, to the people of Israel. Like, this is like something that they did not do. So everyone ate separately. Verse 33. And then they sat before him, the firstborn, according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in amazement, and the portions were taken to them from Joseph's table. But Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. Typical youngest. And they drank, and they were merry with him. So they got drunk. They had a big party. But Benjamin's portions was five times larger than anyone else's. Genesis 44. Then he commanded, verse 1, the steward of his house, or the majordomo, Zazu, 
to fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry. And they put each man's money in the mouth of his sack and put, and, and put my cup in the, the silver cup in the mouth of the sack of the youngest with his money for the, uh, for the grain. And he did as Joseph commanded. So uh, once again, Benjamin, son of Rachel, Benoni, son of my pain. Now Benjamin, son of my right hand, the favorite son, the one son of the wife who died that's left because the wild animal killed Joseph. He's given this silver cup. Verse 3. And as soon as the morning was, as, as soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away with their donkeys. And they had gone only a short distance from the city. Now Joseph said to his steward, up and follow after the men. And when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? Is it not from this that my Lord drinks? And by this that, the, that he practices divination. You've done evil by doing this. So the brothers leave without a hitch. And if, just place myself in the story, and this is complete, this is just John C., okay? If so many, like, wild things had been happening on my way to get grain, and then my brother had to be held as insurance, and then also we had to go get the other brother, and then, like, we, this wild party, but also this same guy accused us to be spies, I would be so glad to leave. And I would be looking over my shoulder, and once we got that short distance, I would breathe a heavy uh, sigh of relief, and this is great. We got out of there. But then there's this command from Joseph. Verse 6. When he overtook them, he spoke to them these words. They said to, to him, like their response, Why does the, my Lord speak, to, speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants, key, to do such a thing. Behold the money we found in the mouths of our sacks we brought to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver and gold from the house, from your Lord's house? Whichever of your servants is found with it shall die. And we also will be the Lord's servants. Verse 10. He said, let it be as you say. He who is found with it shall be my servant, and the rest of you shall be innocent. And then each man quickly lowered his sack to the ground, and each man opened his sack. And he searched, beginning with the eldest, ending with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. And then they tore their clothes, every man loaded his donkey, and they returned to the city. Back to Egypt again. So he catches up to them, calls them out. They're like, sir, we're your servants. We already had the money that was placed back with us. We brought that back. Why would we rob you? And actually, if we did, you can kill the one who did it because we know we didn't do it. So then the majordomo says, okay, if that's how it will be, sounds good to me. So they start going through eldest, so Reuben, all the way down to precious Benjamin. And what do they find? The silver cup that's used for divinations. And these guys lose their minds because one would argue this is the worst possible thing to happen. This is the one thing that their father told them not to do. Their ultimate mission was to get food back because there's a famine in the land, but also is to get Benjamin back. 
One could even guess you could lose another of the brothers, and Jacob would be sad. But if Benjamin got back, uh, what, what did uh, David—wow. When David had Uriah killed, and he talks to Joab, his cousin, who's his general, and Uriah is killed. Um, they had, like, the 30 guys leave, like, the city, and they wipe out, like, the Israel soldiers. And Joab talks to David and goes, like, hey, Uriah died, and also these other guys— um, David goes, well, you win, win some, lose some. Like, this is how war works. It's what? So, like, there's this element with Jacob that's like, what matters is Benjamin. I love the rest of you guys all the same. But what matters is Benjamin. Make sure Simeon gets back. He did wipe out that entire city. Verse 14. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there, and they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said to them, What deed is this that you have done? Do you know that a man like me can, can indeed practice divination? And Judah said, What shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out our guilt. God has found out our guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he, and also whose hand the cup has been found. But he said, far be it from me, Joseph, that I should be, do so. For only the man in whose the hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. So Judah is stepping up again. He says, how can we defend ourselves? But we are all your servants, not just the one who had the silver cup. Joseph, preceding that, says once again, this uses this term divination. How, how, how could you rob from me when you know that I can see things? I'm a soothsayer. Divination. So I kept reading through this week the three chapters I had, and that kept killing me. Because what does he mean by divination? Because he doesn't, he doesn't go, it's my favorite silver cup I like drinking out of. How could you steal it from me? He goes, it's a silver cup that's mine that I use for divination. So we have to remember that to them, the brothers, Joseph's brothers, the future forefathers of the tribes of Israel, Joseph is Egyptian. He's part of the Egyptian royalty and bureaucracy. And if you're part of the elite, the soothsayers, you could see things, you'd have these uh, goblets to use for divination. So I'm not saying that that's what Joseph did. But what I am saying is God has allowed Joseph to see these dreams. And what does Egypt, Egyptians have to understand? Because they're not Hebrew. They don't understand or worship the God of Abraham. So they're like, clearly this man is a soothsayer or divination. So the silver cup has been taken. That was a uh, theologian altar. He's incredible. Shout out to him. Verse 16. Uh, or rather, verse 18. Oh, also, I want to slow this down. So 
this, what happened with the silver cup is Joseph wants to treat as individual. Judah wants to treat it as collective. And if we look at the selfishness of the brothers throughout Genesis, this is a powerful moment. They, the same brother, Joseph, they threw him into a pit and left him. And they're like, we could get money out of this. So the silver cup, they actually received silver to sell. Joseph, Benjamin, who has the silver cup, they're like, Judah, no, we will stay. What he did is on all of us. Verse 18. Then Judah went up to him and said, O my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in your Lord's ear. Let your anger not burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. My Lord said, or asked his servants, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And he said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a younger brother, the child of his old age. And his brother is dead. He alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down, that I might set my eyes upon him. We said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not see my face again. We went back to your servant, my father, he, your servant, my father, the one who prays that El Shaddai, God Almighty, may go with you. We went back to your servant, my father. We told him the words of my Lord. And when our father said, go again, buy us a little food, we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother goes with us, then we'll go down. For we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant my father said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One left me, and I said, surely he has been torn to pieces, and I've never seen him since. If you take this one also from me, and harm comes or happens to him, you will bring down my gray hairs to evil, evil to Sheol. Now therefore, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, then as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that boy is not with us, he will not die. Or he will die, rather. And your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to Sheol. For your servant became a pledge of safety for the boy to my father, saying, if I do not bring him back to you, I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as your servant to my Lord, and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. It's powerful. Judah, he's stepping up in this huge way. So Joseph responds. He says, hey, 
You may want it to be collective, but this is going to be truly individual. We have to think he's testing his brothers, the same brothers who sold him to slavery for silver. He gives this silver cup to the youngest brother and says, hey guys, I know I could have you killed, but what if, you know, we just punish the youngest and you can all go. And Judah's not playing around. He goes, he replays everything. He goes, when you first found us, we told you what we were about, who we were, how many brothers there were. You didn't believe us. You sent us back to our father so we could get the youngest son, our youngest brother. Our, young, our father was so, like, just struck by this. He's scared. He's worried. His life is tied with the boy. He uses this term, which is powerful. That was super smooth. Hopefully we're not filming this. There we go. But that being said, so Judah's talking to Joseph, and he says, okay, so we brought the boy back, and if we were to go back without Benjamin, this would break my father's heart. Like, he would die. So instead of just say, taking the easy way out, he said, I will stay. I will stay. And let the boy go. Because I fear what would happen to my father if Benjamin's not sent back. 45 is next week. I'm not sure who's teaching that one. I'm a little bit jealous, so I need to repent of that because of the culmination of uh, the story of Joseph is so powerful. But um, when it comes to like reading it, it's just, there's, when we slow down and we realize that Joseph has not seen his brothers in forever and he does not know what they're about. So he's putting them to a test. And slowly as we make our way through these past three chapters, you see a realization of guilt and there's this taking of responsibility. You also realize, I'm not sure who's, who's gone through loss. Grieving's a process. Jacob's never gotten over losing Joseph. That's powerful. He has 10 other sons. Actually, 11, including Benjamin. But he still has not gotten over losing Joseph. And the person who steps up is a person that we see in chapter 37 who does not seem like a great dude. But is that not the power of the gospel? Is it not like just mind-blowing that God, the ancient of days, sits on his throne and says, it's through that man that I'll send my son. 